Chile recording. Hey everybody, again, um, for some of you new and some of you already on, um, thank you for being here. This is our second e um, webinar webcast of the week. We have another one coming. And we're so excited to have with us Kathy Earle. Um, and I'm going to maybe Eorth, or correct. is that yeah. correct? Am I pronouncing yes, it, it right, Kathy? Eorth. Eorth. Yeah. Lovely name. I really, really think that's cool. And um, I think that uh, Kathy has, was, came to us through uh, one of our assistants, maybe Sierra, maybe Areeb, maybe Mark, who had found uh, her website and things about her. But no matter what, I know this is going to be exciting. Areeb usually ends his work cycle at 5 o'clock, which is right when this is starting. But he told Mark and I, I'm going to be on this thing, so it uh, doesn't matter what time it is. So when Reed, when Reed's that excited about a webinar, uh, we're all excited about it. So he, he's, he's picky a little bit, Kathy. So uh, um, I, I know that I know he enjoyed doing a, a, a pre-session with you, which we do with all of our speakers, all of our uh, guests. So, um, we're going to use sort of an interview format here, so I'll probably just ask you a few questions. You're, we're going to be showing your website, your Instagram page, other different things in the background as we talk. You don't even need to worry about those. If you okay. see something as uh, Mark or, and Areeb are showing it that you want to you know, talk about specifically, um, stop me if I'm asking you a question or if you're answering another question and, and refer to that. Audience, if you guys have got questions, which I hope you do, please put them into the question box that should be on your dashboard, probably on the right side of your screen. Sometimes it's on different sides, depending on the person. And I'll probably leave my webcam on unless Kathy gets in involved in, in some discussion. I might turn it off. I don't want to be distracting. Um, Kathy's beautiful, and her background is beautiful there, too. So. She's probably going to keep her webcam on throughout the presentation. And um, let's just start with this question, Kathy. Um, why don't you spend a few minutes just telling us about yourself, your background, um, sort of what brought you to where you're at today, and then we'll, we'll talk much more specifically about EORTH as we go forward. Yeah. So uh, I grew up in far north Queensland, which is where I am right now, which is in Cairns. Um, as many would know, is the Great Barrier—it's the gateway to the Great Barrier Reef. So we grew up in, and it's—we're surrounded by reef and rainforest. So we grew up in a very um, beautiful part of the world that is uh, known for its beauty, and that's why people come here. So we um, were always sort of a protectors, I guess, of that in, environment. So I think I grew up in a. a a beautiful environment that we always wanted to protect. Um, I, for the last 20 years, I've actually lived in Canada. So I left Australia and lived in Canada for the last 20 years, which is also a beautiful part of the world, which uh, people like to take care of. And I felt that when I was living in Canada, I lived quite a environmentally conscious sort of lifestyle. At least I felt that way uh, until I moved back 
to Australia. And what I noticed when I came back here was honestly just so many people using plastic bags and I felt we had lost our love for the environment and I was a little shocked to be honest with you. So I, uh, I went out to find more environmental groups within this uh, community and felt relieved that there were more people that were actually involved in trying to uh, reduce plastics and it really actually raised my awareness that I wasn't in, as environmentally friendly as I thought because I wasn't on, I didn't understand that plastics was such a big issue at the time. And the more I understood what an issue it was and the more I tried to reduce my plastic, uh, I realized it was really difficult to find those products online to purchase them. So that was my uh, way of trying to contribute to um, the re reduction of plastic is to open my own store that sold products that were plastic free. So that's where I became to where I am today. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's a, that's a good description. By the way, let's just stay on that a little bit. Do you now look back and think that Australia uses more plastic than Canada? Or were you just not as aware? Uh, I think a bit of it's really difficult. Um, I think at the time I felt that Australia wasn't as uh, environmentally conscious as Canada. But as time goes on, I look at what uh, Australia is now doing to curb plastic pollution, which they need to do a lot more. But I feel like they're getting ahead of where Canada is. And I hear that from some of my Canadian friends as well. Uh, I just wrote a blog post yesterday that was about what the plans are for Australia to of each state to make changes to single-use plastics and one of my friends commented that they was you know they would be shocked if Canada had such a good plan for each province laid out so I was kind of surprised by that because I really would have thought Canada was ahead of Australia on that front but they seem to have slipped behind Well, and I don't know um, if Canada's provincial government stat situation is at all similar to Australia's, but having spent time in Canada, done a lot of work there, provinces are very independent in Canada and do have the ability to do things quite differently than other provinces. And, and so it could be that, that maybe Australia is taking a little more of a national status of different Yeah, um, no, they're, they're more, US. they are set up very similar, actually. They, the Canadian, uh, the Australian is being, uh, the changes are being made statewide. So each state is doing their own thing and some are doing better than others. And unfortunately, our most populated state is doing the least. <laughs> so um, so let, let's, stay on, let's stay on that for a second. What what do you see happening in 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 the states in, in in australia that you're excited about that they're doing to try to to reduce the use of, of plastic which would then reduce the use of you know the, the disposal of plastic which is what 
really causes yeah. the problem. So I'd say that uh, the leader of the, in terms of uh, environmental protection and plastic pollution waste management would be South Australia. They are the ones that have implemented the uh, single-use plastic ban already, and so it's already you know the plans already been made and they just implemented it on first of March. So they what they have done is taken a little bit of a stronger stance on compostable plastics. Like for single-use plastics, they've banned quite a lot of them for restaurants and takeaways, that kind of thing. But what they did, which is different than uh, what Queensland are proposing to do and what other um, states are looking at doing, is that they said no to compostable plastics as well, which I thought was a really interesting take because I think compostable plastics are great, as in home compostable plastics, but their stance, and which I also agree with, is that you need to compost them. And, and restaurants and businesses aren't doing that. We don't have the infrastructure in Australia to um, be, we don't have enough industrial composting facilities. And even though we do have them, most of those facilities don't want uh, compostable plastics. So that's why South Australia has taken that initiative. Are products labeled appropriately that would tell a consumer that what that plastic they have is compostable versus not? Yeah, they're quite strict on it. Um, so they have a home compostable uh, logo, which is to an Australian standard. So the Australian standard is a little bit different than the European standards, uh, meaning that it has to have uh, the ability it can't harm worms in a home composting facility. So as long as if you're putting that into your home compost um, and it's labeled home composting, it has to be worm friendly. Um, but the problem I think is more that the consumer doesn't understand composting. They don't understand biodegradability. They don't understand the labeling. So as much as the, the labeling is there uh, and they are, you know, quite uh, aware of it, meaning the, the bioplastics associations will be looking at what you're doing and making sure you're not making up stories. Um, when the consumer doesn't understand how, what those labels mean, then they don't really have as much impact as they should. Makes sense. And well, I will tell you, even the logos that you're talking about or probably any level of awareness is, is better than what's the status in most of, of, of the United States. So, um, you know, the, the consumer here is, is frankly, in most cases, clueless. And, you know, here's a, here's a plastic bottle for a product that I love. And it would be really hard. Well, in, in, it, it says that there's a, ca a cash refund in Canada, Connecticut, Hawaii, and New York, which is pretty significant. It's 10 cents in Oregon. Worth, worth recycling from that perspective. So, but other than that, you would not know whether this bottle is, is really recyclable or not, and certainly whether it's biodegradable. Um, how quickly 
in a in the home composting regulations that are there now, does something have to degrade if it's acceptable for worms or any other purposes? What 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 would be the degradation time? Uh, it's a really good question, and I wish I had the absolute correct answer, but I believe it's 90 days, and it has to um, compost within, okay. like, there has to be a certain amount that it breaks down by, um, meaning that there can only be a certain amount of plastic left after 90 days, and it has to be at a right. certain temperature. Right. I don't have all those exact specifics. I do have them online, but I don't have them in my oh, mind. Oh, that, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, just just trying to give people perspectives. Yeah. Um, so now let's go back to the let's go back to the current time and what as you saw the problem, you formed EORTH. Now tell us what EORTH is and what it does and how you really believe that it's helping with this whole issue. Yeah, so EORTH is an online store. We only sell plastic free products and as much as I possibly can, we we don't sell uh, any industrial composting products. It's only home compostable. So for me, the biggest thing is getting the message across of the differences between biodegradable, compostable, uh, industrial composting, and home composting because I feel like those are the the main sort of issues that people don't understand. And also, it's just creating that awareness of which products are, what you can replace, you know, what products that you would usually use in your home and what you can replace with them, the simple switches that you can make. So that's the basis of what we're about. <laughs> so your monetization is through selling products, but probably, I'm gonna put words in your mouth, you change them, but sounds like your mission is more education probably than than just profitability from selling products yeah it's a really tough mix to be honest with you it's uh trying to stay stay alive in a in a business sense and trying to remain true to what you're trying to do which is get the message out there and it's a a tough balance By the way, let's stay on this product that's right here right now, um, because obviously you now, Mark, stay on the Australian. There we go. Um, Australian is there, so it's local. Wool is there, so you know what it's made from. And then um, dryer balls, and you might even explain those. Maybe not everybody knows what a dryer ball is used for. I, I raise alpacas. So yeah. I'm, I'm a little biased and I do know what dryer balls are for and, and we actually don't make them ourselves, but we have many, many friends that do. And so they're sold into the North American marketplace. Uh, but again, there would probably very rarely, would, would you find dryer balls that had plastic in them typically? Or are they almost always made? But I, here, my whole point in this is, looks like you're really also trying to promote local. Um, or Australian made, which is, which is yeah. Cool so too. obviously, and since that container that those are, I'll go ahead. That, that container that those are in is probably paper product. It looks like you, maybe not uh, any plastic. 
yeah, that, that is a, a big part of what we do is there is no plastic packaging at all. That is 100% no plastic packaging. So we're really going for a 100% plastic free store as much as possible. You know, it's not always possible, but the packaging 100% plastic free. The product itself might have um, a little bit of plastic in it being a compostable plastic. But the wool dry balls, they're Australian. Um, and the reason why, it, there's many reasons. One, Australians right now, because of COVID, there's been a really strong push towards buying Australian made, which is, uh, there's always been a push to buy Australian made, but there's a much stronger push towards that. With, Australia, with wool dry balls in particular, if you buy them in Australia, they are mostly made from New Zealand wool that wool has been shipped to China, the balls have been made in China and shipped back to Australia, which is quite ridiculous. And they're obviously cheaper. So um, the Australian wool dryer balls are made in Australia from Australian wool. Uh, the box, I will be honest, I used to make them all myself uh, in-house. So they were made from uh, a much more, uh, conscious material, I guess, as far as cardboard goes. But it's um, it's another thing, again, we, we don't do a lot of manufacturing in Australia. So most of our packaging is actually made offshore. So these, are, these boxes now are not made in Australia, which is unfortunate. Tell people what dryer balls are used for. So the dryer balls are used to reduce electricity. So, and you, you had mentioned earlier that you didn't think that they were typically plastic, but what people usually use is a, a round plastic ball that they put into their dryer um, as, as a dryer ball. So that is what that's replacing. It's a softer, it doesn't, uh, or a tennis ball, uh, sometimes people would put in their dryer, which will bounce around a lot and isn't great for the dryer. So these are softer and what they're supposed to do is, or what they, their function is, is that they bounce around within the dryer with the um, clothes or the laundry and that gives them a little bit more um, aeration, I guess you would say. Uh, and it also helps them, so which helps them dry faster, which you, reduces your electricity bill. That is the function of them. Right. And they also, I think, can can reduce wrinkling to some extent. If, yeah, uh, and static. So yeah, I know that. And static, right? And static would be um, would be a part of the electricity side that you're talking about. Um, so how many SKUs do you have? And 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 do you white label or or do you do what we saw with the dryer balls, which is it literally looks like that is that is an e-orth product. Yeah, uh, so a little bit of both. Uh, we have probably 150 SKUs, I think, but they're not all EOTH branded, so I sell a lot of other uh, brands' products. We do a, a lot more white labeling than we do make of our own products. So those products are made in Australia, um, but we make the packaging for them. Same with a lot of our soaps. Uh, currently, like our shampoo bars and condi uh, conditioner bars. Well, our shampoo bars, I should say, because they are made 
in Australia, in Queensland, and they are packaged by myself. So we do a lot of, we do some white labeling, but we're also starting to make our own products, soaps and uh, lip balms and moisturizing products. So we are starting to get more into making our own products versus uh, white labeling. And is this full time for you? It is full time for me. I, I was previously and a web developer, so I've slowly moved my clients away. Is it breaking even yet? Uh, some months are better than others. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would say I'm at a point where I'm paying myself, so. Um, but it's it's not a massive money maker at this yeah. point. And why this approach compared to maybe just deciding, you know what, I'm going to make single use um, containers for a certain array of products? Could even be cosmetics. And Areeb, would you? Uh, whoever Mark or Reeve was doing it, try to try to go back to some products again. You showed those earlier, so just go through where people can be looking at products. It's going to probably pique my memory a little bit, and I might ask something about some of the products. Um, but a, a little more logic for why. And you just said you were a web you used to do web marketing. It sounds like internet marketing and such. And so you you marketed and um, changed your marketing to, to just be doing this. But why this compared to something else that you could have done to still be helping with the whole plastic dilemma? Uh, yeah, this so sounds, I was. This sounds really hard. That's really my question. <laughs> it has its challenges. Um, uh, I think it just fell in my wheelhouse. I, I'm not as much of a marketing person. Although, yeah, so my background in Canada, uh, my husband and I owned a newspaper. So that would have been our background, I guess, in terms of marketing. Um, but my main focus has always been web development. And I had a few clients that were e-commerce clients. And I guess I just saw that as a, a, as a transition. Originally, I was planning on doing it sort of on the side and still uh, servicing my web uh, e-commerce clients so that I could say, well, I understand it a little better because I have my own store. I understand how to make these changes and I can apply them on your site as well. But it became so big that I, I needed to make the full-time switch to um, doing my own thing versus looking after clients. So I only have a few clients now. And most of my clients actually at the time were in Canada, not in Australia. So I was working on little weird timeframes. So now let's talk about customers for any and all of these products. Are you selling primarily direct from your website or using things like Amazon or are you selling into retailers and your products are then being sold through retail outlets? Yeah, most of it is done online on my own website. I do do a little bit of eBay. I don't do Amazon because I don't, believe I, th I believe they send all their products out for you and everything about what we do is all plastic free 
uh, right down to the packaging and Amazon would not fit with that. So <laughs> that would be why I don't uh, don't use them. But I do use some uh, drop shipping, uh, work with some drop shipping company, uh, websites. So I will put my products on their site and they just send me the order. And so it still gets sent out with our branding and our packaging. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm really conscious about making sure the packaging is always plastic free because I'd be horrified if my product got sent out and it was wrapped in plastic. <laughs> it would go against everything I'm, I'm about. Um, so we don't, we have a couple of uh, online stores that have purchased our products and put them in their stores. So they sell them online as well. And wholesaling is a little bit, something that we're getting a little bit more into, but at this point, at mostly everything is sold via my website. Current staffing, yourself, who else? Uh, my bookkeeper, <laughs> and I have a social media person. So it's mostly me. I, obviously, my husband is, uh, he's not really part of the business as such, but he's my uh, sounding board, I guess. So he is, he's there in the background. So, but apart from that, it's 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 a lot of myself. For everybody who doesn't doesn't understand this, this is this is work. Because again, she's doing all the packaging herself. No, I, I was actually going to say maybe you had some neighborhood kids that she now brought in and did packaging for you, or do you it, use co-packers at all for for anything? No, I don't right now. Uh, but the, the neighborhood kids thing has crossed my mind. <laughs> well, um, there's, there are some entrepreneurial. If I, was, if I was 16 or 14 when I was growing up and I lived in your neighborhood, I, I would love to have had you reach out to me and, and uh, see if I could help you with some of the packaging. Um, it, that been it'll, cool. it'll come down to that. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so where would you like to see EORTH in five years? And then let's take it out further, 10 years. Oh, well, I, I have some uh, some plans I'm working on right now, which would be looking a little bit more into the retail uh, slash wholesale outlet. Um, so having something that would be, um, we're making more of, my own products and have a retail outlet to sell those as well as a, a wholesale outlet. So that's kind of what I'm looking at to the future. But at this point, just really um, building up the brand more so and, and introducing more of our own brands versus um, introducing more other people's branded products. So that's kind of where we're moving towards in the future. What do you think for product? What's your what's your highest selling skew? Do you have one that stands out above the other? Oh yeah, I do, and it's very interesting because it's not what I would have imagined it to be. But our stainless steel pegs are our biggest seller, which which so seems Arisa, strange. You'll go back to those if you find those. Yeah, it does. It, it actually does. So. Um, um, I was going if you were if you were going to say one of them that was let's say shampoo or dish and laundry soap or where 
you know, because my next question was going to be, are your, are your buyers buying because you're using something that's so environmentally friendly or are they buying because they love the product that, that is associated? So let's go to the, your highest seller. What, what should gut tell you or have your, have your customers told you even what's their buying motivation primarily? Well, I think it's a bit of both. With the stainless steel pegs, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of Australia's love of hanging their clothes out on the clothesline, but uh, if you're someone that is constantly, well, it, oh, yeah. I, most people don't use a dryer as much as you would say in Canada. Um, your clothes go outside, they go on the clothesline, they dry quite quickly, unless it's pouring rain, and even then you have an area that is covered that you put your clothes out. Uh, if you live in the southern states where it's cooler, you would put your clothes inside on a, on a line. People don't use their dryer that much in Australia. Um, and I'm being generally generalist here. So if you are to use your plastic pegs and you're hanging them on the clothesline, you will find that those pegs break apart in your hands and now you've got a piece of junk that's going in the garbage. So plastic is a horrible uh, object for hanging clothes on the line. And that is why, that's why they're so popular because these will last forever versus you constantly buying plastic pegs that break apart in your hands. So that is one part of it. Um, so I'm an old, I'm an old enough guy in the U.S. that that I grew up using clotheslines. So I'm going to come back to that. You keep going, and then I'll come back to that. Well, you probably used wooden pegs, which are also somewhat popular. The bamboo pegs we yes, used to sell as well. That was what I was going to go to. I used wooden. <laughs> I used wooden. Yeah, and and they were boy, they they took a lot of abuse from me. They worked pretty well. I mean, they did not they, now. I lived in a dry climate, so I don't know if the metal that obviously is used to cause them to get their, you know, compression and release, if that would degrade in a more moist situation, get rusty and so on, maybe even cause issues with the, with your clothing, um, especially if maybe you accidentally had the rainstorm while your clothes were out on the line. I remember that very vividly. We had that happen sometimes, but anyway. You already got to it. What what would be the advantage of your stainless steel over wood, or is wood even an option? Let's say in in, uh, um, in I mean, I think wood's great because it's fully compostable. So apart from the metal piece inside, um, the issue, as you know, with the wooden pegs is that they can leave stains on your clothes. So that's why people, I think, stopped using those yeah. and went to the plastic. The bamboo. It right. tends to be less uh, have that, have less issues, but bamboo can uh, right. not so much goes moldy, but it, the peg itself does change color, and and it will eventually the same thing. It will break down, so they're not as popular. The stainless steel pegs come in two different types of pegs. So there's one that is the 201 stainless steel peg, and the 316 peg. So the 316 is a marine grade stainless steel, so it's basically going to last forever. So, so that is, um, they're more expensive, but they will last a lifetime. Makes sense. Um, 
And so are those ones that you are able to have a little higher profitability on also? I mean, we're not going to go into all the details of, you know, what your retail cost, wholesale, and so on is, but, but I would think that would be a, a, could be a pretty profitable item also. Uh, they are definitely the staple of our store. <laughs> um, they're, they're both great uh, items, to be honest with you. Uh, the, the 201s, the, the lower price pegs, they're actually more popular than the higher grade pegs, and obviously that's a price point. Uh, but you don't really need a a 316 stainless steel peg, even though they, I think they are the best, um, if you don't live near the ocean. They, they won't rust out. I mean, eventually I'm sure they will, but they won't rust out in a couple of years. I, I've had, we live uh, probably three Ks from the ocean and I have both pegs on the line and neither of them are rusted out. So if you leave them outside on the line 24/7 then maybe that'll that'll take place a little quicker but um, your best bet is the 316 and a little bit of a negative <laughs> of them the little bit of a negative of them from a retail product perspective is people aren't using them up and repurchasing <laughs> hopefully again just the opposite they last for a lifetime now well, they may they decide they need more they're putting exactly. more on their lines. Or, that, so. That's exactly what happens. Or they buy them and then they say, you know what, these are so great, I'm going to buy them for my daughter or my friend or my mother. Or So that's right. typically what happens is right. they they'll buy more because they realize how great they are. So do you do any affiliate sales, speaking of that, when you're to where people can make some money by just selling your product? You still do the manufacturing or the, the, the packaging, the delivery, and so on. Are you doing anything affiliate-wise yet, or are you plan to? Um, well, not affiliate as in if they click a link on your, you know, on their site that leads them back to my site. Is that what you mean by affiliate? I don't or, really do it. Or any... maybe they would even be. Go ahead, keep going. Sorry. Uh, I don't really do any of that just because I don't have it set up on my site, it's, it would be another function that I'd have to add and I, I don't um, I don't have the time, I guess, to implement it. Um, it, it is on, on, the, on the books for something in the future, but we do do drop shipping. So people put their products on their website that, you know, they're displaying them as if they have them in store, then they will send me that order and I will ship it out for them. So in, in that way, uh, it would yeah. be, somewhat affiliate marketing, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that would be. And I'm just going to give you a little more food for thought. It could be as simple where it really isn't any work for you to where you um, allow people to take your URL and bring people to your site by a software tool that's really simple and they're out there to where you would know that a customer came from them by a real simple process. And if the purchase got made. Now, your, your accounting issue might get a little more difficult because that's something you'd have to deal with on your end. But 
you can actually get really simple tools. So I, I sell high-end things, alpacas, okay, <laughs> real high-end. I mean, they, in the U.S., they could be tens of thousands of dollars. And I have people, all they do is send people to my site. They don't do anything else. And, again, I can track where those people came from. And then if a sale gets made all by my efforts, they get a they get an affiliate fee for that. And again, it's no additional work for me. I'm not selling a lot of items. I mean, it's, it's going to be so the, the accounting part's easy. But when you're selling a lot of SKUs, it would be just something. Maybe maybe we can even talk separately some other time. Give sure. Some other thoughts about that. Um, well, I'm going to switch a little bit. We're about thirty. Five minutes in or so, is that right? Yeah. And um, I'm going to ask you some questions that I do with almost everybody interview, a little more on the personal side, um, sort of a lightning round. So these are not things you're supposed to think about a lot, really pretty simple. Um, one of them is kind of a little bit tough, and I'll, 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 I'll ask it now. Don't answer it now. I'm going to give you time to think about this one a little bit more. But for this one, the last one is, is this, which is, Tell us something that happened in your life that at the time was just horrible, just terrible. But now, when you look back at it, it's something that has really turned out to give you just the opposite, amazingly positive results. So think about that one. That's going to be the last one that we go to. But the others are going to be ones that you should just be able to come up with answers pretty quickly for. All right? Ready to go? Sure. <laughs> All right. Um, the first one, tell us a person, either their by name or just description, either one, that had a huge influence on your life before you were 20, let's say, other than your parents. So somebody other than your parents, and why? Oh, goodness. Can it be someone in my family? Yeah, other than your yeah. parents. Yeah, um, parents. I guess I'm going to have to, be, without really thinking about it, go with my sister, um, who uh, basically convinced me to move away from Cairns and go to university in Victoria. So she was a big catalyst of, of okay. me um, moving there and uh, going to university there, which wasn't on my cards at the time I was looking at doing something else, so she um, really made that sort of move for me, switch, I guess, to say, yeah, you should come down here and go to university here. I can get you the right resources or whatever to, to make that move. Okay. Same line of question, except now a person who has been, or it could be more than one, but small number. That has had a big influence on what you're doing with the York. Oh, my husband. <laughs> he was really the push for uh, me actually starting, <laughs> actually starting the company. Uh, I, I had come up with a, a different idea to start with, and he said, "No, just open an e-commerce store, just do it." And uh, I sort of started it in the background, and he kept saying, "Are you doing it?" Hurry up and do that. You talk all the time about plastic. Hurry up and, and make this change and, and tell everybody. And he's constantly saying, tell people. You've got to get your message out there and tell them about this. People need to know about 
making changes um, to the to the way that they deal with plastic. So I would definitely say my husband. All right, awesome. That's very cool. Um, tell us about uh, a tool that you've used in the last six months to a year that can be a physical tool. It can be an online tool. It could be of any kind that you you think others could get some value about and may not know about. Like electronically or like a product? Anything. It could be a it could be a physical tool, an elect, you know, it could be a an online tool. It could be any anything. You know, we get over the years I've probably asked a thousand people this question and it's all over the board. So don't but any kind of a tool that that you you started to use and you just think, you know what, if others knew about this, boy, they could get great value like I have from it. Well, uh, I would just pick a product just off the top of my head because that's kind of what I guess I'm thinking when you say tool. Um, it's going to sound very strange, but a Swedish dishcloth is probably one of my favorite things that I use as a... Um, no, that, that's perfect. That. Yeah. So a Swedish dishcloth is basically a cloth that is, that, that was what I posted on my Instagram page this morning. It's a compostable dishcloth. So it is thin. It's made from a um, cotton and wood sort of composite fiber. So it's dry when you first have it. You add water basically to activate it to make it um, soften up just like you would a cotton cloth however it cleans the counters beautifully and it's just a it's a great um product to have the wonderful thing about it is once it loses its effectiveness it's you know starts breaking apart it goes straight in the compost so it really is the perfect um plastic free compostable product that um is so useful around the house. Um, obviously, I use it every single day. And instead of using, we don't use um, paper towels. I know when I lived in Canada, my husband loved paper towels. And uh, I didn't understand his obsession with paper towels. He doesn't use paper towels anymore. He doesn't need to because we use Swedish dishcloths for any of those sorts of things, cleaning glass, anything. Cool. So that would probably be my one tool. Right. Oh, that's a great one. I actually thought you might, you know, you might have a, a brain, you know, clog because of so, you turn what you like into your own products in many cases. So, I mean, where most people I ask that question too, they, they come up with, and they have great answers, but it's not something that then they're marketing <laughs> themselves too. So, um, by the way, there's a company in the U.S. called Grow that's a home delivery entity that makes Swedish dish towels that my, my family has begun to use. And, and again, we are greatly reducing our paper towel use. We haven't completely eliminated it yet, but again, similar. But gosh, I want to maybe be able to use yours. But we didn't, I didn't ask you that. You know, you're online, so. Happy to send you, you some. If, there might be a cost to store. Yeah, but do you ship, do you ship if, if somebody wants out of Australia or not? Yeah, I do. This, the unfortunate thing is that uh, we live 
uh, as I said, in far north Queensland. So it's considered remote, <laughs> as, you know, apart from the aside from the other three major sort of cities, I guess, on the on the east coast um, okay. in Australia. So we're kind of seen as far away from anywhere. So our shipping costs are, are quite high. Um, really, so yes, really we do. Hard. I do have yeah. some uh, people that I ship to in Canada, but it, it's generally not um, price-wise. That would be why I don't uh, do a lot of international shipping. We are, we are set up for it. We can right. ship internationally, but the shipping costs are very high. I, I get it. Yeah. Um, all right. Here's here's another one. Um, what's a what's something you've read in the last again six months to a year that you would highly recommend to someone else? And it could be a book. It could be a well, blog article. It could be you name it. I'm looking at it right now. Is um, it's a book called Plastic Free. <laughs> um, it was written by. I'm actually in the middle of reading it. I haven't finished yet. Uh, it's written by a lady who started the Plastic Free July campaign. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Plastic Free July campaign at all. No. So Plastic no, Free I'm July started, I, I'm going to say 10 years ago, just uh, from, from memory. Uh, so it started with a lady in Western Australia who went to challenge her um, workmates to reduce single-use plastic to go for one month without using any single-use plastic and they did like she's an environmental um, scientist I believe so she's working in the waste industry so I guess that was probably an easier uh, people to to get to join her campaign and they all said yeah let's do this and once they started uh, trying to reduce their single-use plastic they realized what a big issue it was so they you know had more people sort of join in on this so every july uh for the month of july it is a challenge to go for 30 days without using any single-use plastic and it, it is really challenging so that's what the book is about is how she started it why she started it uh where the uh, movement has gone to now because it is an international movement it's probably one of the biggest plastic-free movements in the world is the Plastic Free July um, campaign, and it happens every July. And the aim is to create awareness of how much single-use plastic we use on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, great idea. So is that book readily available? Um, so give us, Mark, would you please put it into the either the questions or into the, the chat? And so it's plastic free, is that correct? It's just called and plastic free. The author's it's, name it's again? Um her name is And the author? Just just one moment, please. I'll just let me grab it. Sorry, it's literally right here on my coffee table, so I thought I'd grab the book. Her name is Rebecca Prince Ruse. Um, so that's the book there. And yes, I believe it's available um, maybe on Amazon. It's, I'm pretty sure it's available worldwide. Um, so it is available cool. on our website, which is up on our screen now, everybody. 
Yeah. Um, so that's it, a... it is on Amazon, and Mark has put it up here. You can actually get it Kindle or hardcover or paperback. Um, Kindle's really good price, frankly. So there's a, a great one for you. Um, well, that's awesome. So now let's go to that hard question, which is going to be my last question. Again, tell us about something in your life that's happened that at the time was really negative. You can be as vague or as specific as you want. Uh, but that now as you look back on it, you realize that, you know what? It actually happened for a real positive reason. Actually, I, I did watch a few of your uh, other uh, interviews that you've done, and I, I saw you ask this question to somebody else, and I thought, how would I answer that? I feel like I've had such a blessed life that I'm not sure that I have had something that I can uh, really just pinpoint. I mean, I have things that have happened, but um, it's it's really quite stumped me, that question, to be well, honest. Don't worry. If you're not coming up with anything, that's, that's fine. Um, that's actually, you know, nothing wrong with having a blessed life and not having <laughs> to have something of that. I, 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 I guess um, it's... Um, it's in the past, and I guess I whatever it was, I, I'm assuming I've forgotten about it because I I don't have and, that much yeah, angst. By the way, always good to always good to, <laughs> to forget those kinds of things. So, um, all right, well, we've got about ten minutes left. I'd like to get Mark and Areeb. You guys have been quietly listening. I know you guys will have a couple questions at least, and or more. And then, audience, please. Um, I recognize uh, several of you out there. I know you guys. And I know one of you loves to ask questions and to put in comments. So if you wouldn't mind, please do that. By the way, another this person is down under. Um, so and um, so I, I'll, I'm putting the person here. I'm not going to say a name on the spot just a little bit. Um, so Mark, Areeb, questions from you. Okay, I will have uh, one question here. I think this is something we were talking on the team call about the Earth Day. Um, I think you are so big on the plastic thing and um, that uh, everyone is going, I think, going in the wrong direction of this and we need to bring them back. So do you have anything planned for the Earth Day or is this something uh, we, you kind of volunteer to do, uh, do something about that? Or is your uh, are your products um, like you, you have some kind of uh, a deal on it or something like that for the Earth Day? Um, I guess the way we approach Earth Day is always that it's Earth Day every day <laughs> is is generally how we see it in a, in a promotional sort of marketing sense. Um, but so nothing really, we don't have any major um, events or anything like that that we plan. Um, I think Earth Day is, is generally a more of an awareness day than anything. So we try not to push it too hard on, in a marketing sense because it seems a little tacky, I guess, um, but more just look at it as a, this is an, an awareness of why Earth Day is, is important. To, to recognize. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Great, great, great.
What else, Ariba Mark? Okay. Um, maybe she already answered this, but um, I was wondering uh, what led you to um, come up with this idea that uh, you eliminate plastics and this guy, um, the products you're, you're uh, developing or coming up with. How uh, how did that idea come to you? I think just through consciousness that um, we we really need to reduce our plastics. And then for me, the the it was just such a realization when I realized that um, I wasn't environmentally conscious as I thought. And then I started understanding plastic pollution was such a big big issue that we weren't really paying, or we still aren't paying as much attention to it as we should be. Then when I started trying to replace products in my own house and I started looking around realizing oh my goodness I'm just surrounded by this stuff um, and then trying to find uh, products that would replace those plastic products I found really really difficult so I figured if I was having those problems then so many other people would be too and that was really what led me to wanting to do something about it Awesome. Yep. Thank you very much. Oh, we do have some audience questions. That's a great, great answer too, by the way. We do have some audience questions. And these are these are some of our audience members that are very in tune. So these are great questions. Um, first one is, any thoughts about a circular economy where everything that is produced is used and recycled for further use forever and ever and ever in a circular mode. I'm sure you have some thoughts on that. I do. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a fan of, uh, it's not that I'm not a fan of recycling. I'm not a fan of uh, the push for recycling being the answer to our problems. It obviously isn't the answer to our, our problems. We've been recycling for, what, 40 years now, and we we still have the problems that we've always had with plastics. Um, not all plastics are, can always be either recycled or get recycled. So as much as I think the circular economy is a fantastic movement and way to go, um, I think that we really need to look at reducing. It should be, there should be more focus on reducing what we use versus what, um, recycling what we use and i think the circular economy it, it talks about both but recycling seems to be um a fairly heavy part of it or maybe that's more of a zero waste movement that you know as long as it's recycled then it's considered zero waste but um i prefer to to look at it as uh, using what we have <clears throat> more so and and reducing should be our really big um, highlights, I guess. Okay. So this one is another great one, and that's a great answer, by the way. Um, what's your view on having a fee on carbon to reduce the use of fossil feedstocks, which is what plastic's made of, everybody, in case you know that or not? Oh, I, carbon taxes are just such a 
hot topic. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure I have have the the right answer for that. Um, I know there's a lot of carbon fees, uh, and it's a big dispute, I would say, in Canada, particularly amongst my friends. Uh, when I looked into carbon taxes, it or should I say carbon offsets? It just seems like um, robbing Peter to pay Paul sort of thing. Um, you know, we're saying as long as we plant these over here, we can still do this badness. I feel like we should be, I don't think they're a bad thing, um, carbon taxes. Is that what you're referring to, carbon taxes? I'll let, I'll let him. Uh elucidate that more, tell us, but um, I'm going to guess that that's not necessarily, meaning that, so one of the ways that there was a hope that you reduce the use of fossil fuels here in the U.S. was through, through taxes on um, fuels for vehicles, which are gasoline and diesel, and the taxes have gone ridiculously high, they, they, and, and yet it hasn't stopped the use. The, the goal was to create a disincentive for that kind of use. So the, I don't think those taxes have succeeded, but I think taxing in many cases is intended to be a, a de-incentivization to use that item that's taxed. Yeah, yeah. It, it, doesn't often, it doesn't often do that. Yeah. So. Well, here's another one, um, reducing, and this is more of a comment than it is a question, but I'll let you comment on it yourself. Reducing the use of plastic is important because plastic production requires an enormous amount of energy and resources. This causes carbon emissions and contributes to global warming. Recycling plastic is not efficient. Only 9% of plastic ever produced has been recycled. And and she, she cites a source for this, and, She's really very good at, at doing that often. We haven't we haven't uh, fact checked that nine percent number, but that was just a comment. Man. Any thoughts on that? Well, I think it's a perfect comment. I mean, it's it says everything right there. I I hundred percent agree. Um, the nine percent it's it's often quoted as different percentages all over all over the place, but I I think nine percent is generally a um, pretty stock standard sort of number of how much is is actually recycled which is crazy um you know recycling is pushed down our throats so you must recycle must recycle yet when we discover that it's only nine percent it's like well it's 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 really not working is it we need to do more and we really need to reduce more than be pushing the recycling end not that recycling is bad well, i think it's a great thing <laughs> Fellow asked the question about taxation. Actually, answered it different than I thought, which is pretty cool. Um, says that the clarification is not an, an offset. It is a carbon fee that's distributed back to households if they change their buying behavior. So, a little different. I I don't know how that gets done, but it's. It, you think it'd be possible? I think it sounds good. I, I, I'm um, not sure I know enough to comment, I, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, 
this is not a question that is necessarily relevant for this. I'm going to ask it, but I'm, I'm going to just say right up front, don't feel like you really have to answer this if you just don't know the answer. I have an answer to it, and I actually think I know it pretty well, but and I'll answer it after you. But the question is, is regenerative agriculture a priority in Australia? I actually think that you would uh, have more input on that than I would. Um. Yeah, it, it, it really is, <laughs> probably more so than anywhere in the world, to be honest. Um, there's, there are a huge number of leaders in regenerative agriculture in Australia. So if you, if you did it on a per capita basis, population of Australia, let's say, versus population of the U.S. or, or Russia or, I mean, you name it in the world, China, uh, Canada, I think even Canada. Australia is doing a pretty good job with, with uh, regenerative agriculture. And if, I, if you'd like to talk with me separately and privately, I can give you a lot of resources and detail about that. Yeah, I would. And, I, and honestly, I, I don't it, really it, know anything about it, to be honest with you. So. And it, I'll, just quickly, I don't want to divert here too much. It fits into a lifestyle that is also probably followed more in Canada than anywhere else, which is called permaculture. And yes. so when you relate permaculture to regenerative use of really anything, agriculture being one, regenerative yeah. sort of economy, permaculture, you can't, you can't say you do permaculture if you're not doing regenerative living, uh, essentially. And, and, and Australians probably understand permaculture better than anywhere in the world. Um, so the, the same fellow that asked about the carbon situation said that Canada does have a carbon fee and dividend program that must be similar to what was described. Um, another comment was ask Dave Brown in South Dakota. Well. This is one where you probably want to get your facts straight. <laughs> Dave Brown lives in North Dakota and, and quite honestly lives almost into Canada, but it was very far north in North Dakota. And South Dakota and North Dakota are very different. <laughs> um, but it, Dave would be great to ask questions about regenerative uh, agriculture. And Dave's an amazing person, but Dave is so busy. <laughs> And, and, and it, Dave's not easy to reach to get questions to. Not because he doesn't want to be, it's just that he speaks to audiences, tens of thousands, and, you know, he's, he's a rock star in the area. And so look on his website, actually, or look at other places that Dave has done. Joel says that he can, you know what, I said his name, and I apologize, I'm not gonna give you his last name, but the fellow that described the Canadian situation says that he can offer assistance um, on regenerative agriculture as well. It's probably true. Um, so anyway, um, anything we're else? Some more research we are, now anyway. <laughs> yeah, we all we all can do more there. Um, we're over we're over time. We certainly will take other questions if they're there. But um, I'll wait for thirty seconds or so on the audience um, while I'm giving thank yous here. First, thank you is thank you so much, um, Kathy. This has been awesome. And if you've watched some of our other sessions, you know that we've just been blessed lately. Um, gosh, there's so many 
local, and I really want to emphasize this here, that have taken huge tasks on. This is massive what Kathy's doing. And she's doing at least well enough that she's able to pay herself, which is pretty amazing, everybody. Um, again, I, I think you guys have all heard I'm a, I'm a big fan of Shark Tank. I actually know one of the people who was originally one of the sharks. You know, this would be the kind of business that, frankly, if you took the Shark Tank, they'd laugh you out of the building because they just say, you can't get this funded, you can't make it profitable, you can't. And, and they may or may not be right. I mean, that's not relevant here. But Kathy's taken on a lot, and she's doing amazing with it. And, and again, being very local as well as taking a topic on, it's just massive. Areeb's right. We, we had a discussion about some really cool things that, that on a much, much, much smaller scale earlier today in our team meeting that we have every other day. And, and it's just we're, we're feeling so touched about carbon broadly. And unfortunately, we can't buy really very easily from you because we're not in Canada. But hey, anybody that's on this is in Canada. Please buy your stuff. If it's anything that, that you might be able to use that Kathy, that can, Kathy can provide, go to her website, check her out, make a trial purchase of something. And then hopefully you'll continue to buy other things over time. Um, oh, uh, another person said, check out Greg Peterson on the Urban Farm podcast. And I think that's related to uh, the, the regenerative ag. Um, so but you got to know, Kathy, you've probably gotten this. We have a very ag-related audience. So that's uh, common that we get questions like that. Well, thank you. And Mark and Areeb, why don't you give some thanks and thank you for what you're doing. And then, um, Kathy, you just end it by giving us just a few of your last thoughts and then Mark will take us out. Uh, so over to me. Well, Mark and Areeb, quick first. You guys okay. have anything? Yeah. No, I was just saying thank you so much for doing this, Kathy. And uh, I think you just said that you're not you're not called for. I think you're more than called for, and you're doing this a great job here. And uh, it's a ple sheer pleasure to have you on here. Thank you so much. The same thing from me. Uh, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Uh, hats off to you. All right. Go ahead, Kathy. Give us some last uh, thoughts. Well, yeah, no, actually, really thank you for having me on. I, I, I feel um, really privileged to be able to speak to you all today. And I hope that, um, you know, we've covered some things that ha have triggered people to to look at the amount of plastic that you're using and, and where you can reduce it, because uh, we can all do more, including myself. So and, and it's what we need to do. We really do need to reduce as much plastic as we can from our everyday lives. So I, I hope that it's triggered some people to do a little bit more than they're already doing. Well, Mark, I'm going to give one last little gesture. Thank you, Kathy. And then Mark, take us out. Thank you so much. Thank you.